Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, Ken Kaufman, an amazing entrepreneur, investor, CEO, and now author of a book called DEOs, Financial Secrets to Grow Dental Organizations. And while that title seems very specific to the dental industry, it is filled with actionable insights for any business. So let's jump right into the conversation with Ken. Okay, Ken Kaufman, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Alex. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, excited to speak with you. You have an interesting background. You just wrote a really interesting book all about becoming a dental business owner and the, the pitfalls and successes of, of that. I'd love to hear um, you know, how you got your start when you were a, a little kid running around. Ken, did you think you were going to be writing a book on chief dental officers or uh, how, did, how, did you, how did that come to be? Yeah, I don't know that I knew it was going to be dental specific, but it was a class in high school where we learned about the stock market that just fascinated me. And from that moment on, I was fascinated by finance and and all things finance. And I, you know, I debated in going to undergrad, what should I major in and those sorts of things. But I ultimately ended up going the finance route and then MBA and entrepreneurship and finance because I, I do like kind of the younger company, high growth, um, some of the some of the fun elements of all that. Interesting. Okay. So you go to college, you study finance and what's your first job after college? So my first uh, big boy job or real job was actually while I was in college, I was actually a stock trader at Fidelity Investments. And this is before you could even enter your orders to make trades telephonically. You literally had to call a person. I was sitting on the other end of that, of licensed broker, and would sell 100 shares of Apple, buy 100 shares of Oracle or whatever. And then we got into some of the you know, really complex uh, uh, straddles, strategies and options and all those kinds of things. But um, that was kind of my first big boy job. And then after college, I got involved with a startup company. I think I was employed about number 20. And we grew that to about 100 million in sales. And I was just, I was hooked building and growing businesses. I was hooked and I, I just... Then, then I sat back and said, all right, how do I accelerate my career in this in this vein? I want to learn how to run these types of businesses. And so that's when I decided to go back to MBA school and did entrepreneurship and finance there. Awesome. What a cool story. Getting your you know feet wet in kind of the stock market, that kind of piqued your interest in finance and business. You do that. And then you see, oh, well, there's this like actually building businesses, not just investing in them. And that started to become very interesting to you. And so what was that business that, that you were employee number 20 at? Oh, um, it was called Employer Solutions Group. At that point in time, this was the late 90s, and um, employee leasing companies were becoming very popular. And so we were just out picking up all of these companies that had, you know, five to say 25 employees and taking on all the HR and all of the back office type of functions for construction companies and dental practices and medical practices and all those sorts of things. And that's where I, uh, yeah, I just learned so much from all those interactions. 
cool. And then Ken, was the idea to go to business school and try to, you know, become employee number one at a business or what were you thinking going to business school? Here's, here's what happened. I was, so I was at this startup company and I, this interesting thing happened every Wednesday, the four founders who were also the four executives running the company would go into the CEO's office, all glass offices, and they would be in there for a couple hours. And sometimes they'd be yelling and animated. And other times they'd be writing on the glass and coming up with ideas. Other times they'd be very pensive. And then they'd come out with, all right, here's where we're going. Now we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I just, Alex, it just clicked for me. And I said, I, I need to figure out how to be in that room someday and be a part of that. And that's where then I was motivated. At first, you know, after undergrad, I was not thinking about going to business school, but that motivated me because I felt like if I did the MBA, that would accelerate some of my opportunities to get into that room, so to speak. Interesting. I think that's a pretty cool goal to have. And so you go to business school, um, then what happens next for you? Yeah, so I actually um, was recruited into a Fortune 500 company, Cintas. And at the time, they were growing and expanding pretty rapidly. I lasted about a year there. And then I I got this crazy offer to join a really fast-growing construction company. And I stepped right into the CFO role. So I never had been a controller, an accountant, any of those sorts of things. I understood it. I understood the debits and credits and how it all worked. But in, in my prior, you know, jobs, I'd been involved in some, you know, things with like system changes and how, you know, all the data flows through and those kinds of things. But yeah, I, I landed into a CFO job that I did. I was way too young. It was way too much responsibility. It was growing fast. And we just, I, I was just figuring it out. And literally, like Alex, we, we went from doing about $4 million of revenue a month to $10 million of revenue a month in a couple of months. And we were just exploding. And so the working capital started to drain out. And I was watching and I was learning and trying to figure out, whoa, this is a big problem. This growth stuff, because we're investing in all these materials and employees up front. So I just learned the whole working capital cycle and how to preserve cash, how to make sure we didn't, you know, our growth didn't kill the company, so to speak, and uh, just made it up as I went, right? It was literally, I need to build a five-year model here. And how do I do that? And let's go, you know, look out there on the internet and how do I, how do I do all this stuff? Right. I mean, that trial by fire, that's, you know, the best sort of business school there is. So super cool. And were you there quite a, quite a long time? Um, I was there for two years. And then I, that itch to start my own thing came and I didn't know what I was going to do. I decided to leave. And then I found that the way that I helped grow that company, a lot of people in my network were really interested in that. And they said, Hey, could you come help us with some things? And before I knew it, I was doing a fair amount of consulting. And it was, this was the kind of 2004, 2006 range and fractional CFOs were unheard of. And that's ultimately what I ended up kind of building a business around and got, you know, brought some other people to be CFOs and we built up a professional services firm. Very cool. And so you were doing that for just, I imagine like a myriad of different industries and types of companies. And so that had to be, again, like a whole nother amazing experience learning just like the differences between all these types of companies. Oh, the education. And you know this, like, so there's really two ways to go. You could be on the consulting side where you kind of skim the surface, but you learn some really high level key business model things, or you can go into one company and just where you go deep, deep. What's great about when you're skimming along the surface is you just get to see so many different businesses and so many different challenges and successes, and you get to learn from all of them. So it was, it was very rewarding and educational for me. Yeah. I like the way you describe that skimming along the surface. You also can, you know, see things you like and things you don't like and try to gravitate towards 
more of things that you like and then go deep on something that you, you know, are really passionate about. That's exactly right. Yep. So is that kind of along, well, along the lines of, uh, of what happened with you? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, and my next step here was one of the clients that I was working with, their board came to me and said, Hey, we'd, we'd like to have you come on and take over as the president. And cause it was, the founder was a great inventor and had invented some great things, but was struggling, I think a little bit. He's a smart guy though. He, he, he was doing great things, but they asked me if I would sort of take over and run the business. And then we built that and grew that. And ultimately, so it was basically venture capital backed. And so when venture capital, when, when the, it was another company that, that invested because they were looking for ways to sort of deploy their capital and grow. And they gave, it gave the capital needed and it was pre-profitability. And so they said, you know, we need help getting this thing profitable and getting this going in the right direction. So that was my first kind of stepping into a president role and, um, and leading the company. And it was awesome. Wow. And well, what business was that? It was called uh, the Rebex Nomad. This, and this is where I got started to get a lot of experience in dental. In dentistry, you generally have hanging on the wall these x-ray units that the assistant, dental assistant or hygienist will come and you know, put it up next to your mouth. They leave the room. They push the button. They come back in. This was a device. It looks like a ray gun. In fact, I've got it right here. I can show you. And you're allowed to, you're, you're able to actually take the x-ray chair side with the patient and you never have to leave the room because this is a backscatter shield that makes it all safe. Anyway, that was, uh, that was the business and that was a lot of fun. Wow. <laughs> it looks like a Jetson gun. That's that's so cool. Yeah. Very innovative, right? Uh, and I, I got to learn a lot about the dental industry. Right. And so that was the beginnings of who you are today with this, with all the uh, emergence in, in, in that business, that dental. That's right. And so what was, what? so after after this company, you're the president, you're doing these, these this really cool technology. Um, what happened next? Yeah. So then it was time to sell the company. And so we actually took the company to market. We sold it to a strategic. It was a, a Danaher Corporation at the time. They were 18 billion in, uh, in annual revenue. And they had a dental division. There was about the, the, a $2 billion dental division. A billion was consumables and a billion was in equipment like the Nomad device. And so we sold. They asked me to stay on and run it as a business unit. And I was there for 18 months, Alex, and it was 12 months too long. <laughs> yeah tough tough having a startup yeah because what happens is i was used to being able to just pull the trigger and execute on the things that need, we needed to do to grow and now we were part of this big conglomerate that was all they cared about was hitting their quarterly earnings and they were it was just really really hard to move that product forward the way that it needed to with our go-to-market strategy yep i mean that's the, the innovator's dilemma yep Okay. So then you leave and start another business? Yeah. So then um, I leave, I was at an electronics man, uh, an electronics manufacturer for just a short while, not, not a lot going on there. When I got there, it was, Hey, we're going to grow. The private equity firm was ready to grow. And then six weeks later, they sort of pulled the plug on everything. So I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll hang around for a minute. But then I left. And then that's, that's when I went to community dental partners. The CEO is somebody I'd known since I did consulting back in like sort of the 2006 days. This was 2016, and we I jumped in as the CFO. He was the CEO, and we when I got there, they had been supporting about 10 dental practices, and they were acquiring some more and then going to start building some more. I was there for six and a half years, and in that time, we grew it to where we were supporting 80 locations. So we, we just grew that thing like crazy. Wow. 
Amazing. I mean, can like the every story you're telling me about, we grew it, we grew it, exploded. It's like we sold it. <laughs> it's 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 like an amazing. You've just like gone from success to success. Yeah, I'm kind of a growth junkie. I think that's the best way to describe me. That's I love working in organizations where there's fast growth, that there's chaos. We need to organize things. We need to get people focused and figure out how to you know really execute on the growth plan. So wow. And and that my career changes have generally been when the growth wasn't really as exciting or there wasn't, you know, a lot of opportunity for innovation. That's generally when I would start thinking about making a change. Right. Wow. So cool. And so I imagine as you've gone through this journey, you start to like instill some like, you know, types of wisdom that you can like, you know, start to recognize patterns from one company to the next. And, you know, maybe there's things that you could, uh, you know, impart to, to others. Yeah. And so I'm at this place now where I'm old and <laughs> hopefully that means I've learned a few things along the way. Right. Um, and it's, it's been very rewarding and it ultimately is what drove me to write the book is I just, it, it being in dentistry, as long as I have, I just see so many people not understanding what they're missing because they don't really make the investment in the finance side of the business to really figure out how to grow. And no offense, right? These are a lot of the people that run these businesses are dentists. And they they went to school in biology and in sciences and those things, not a lot of business opportunities or you know business type classes. And so I just really started to feel compelled because as I'd been in the industry for a while, people would ask me questions. And I said, you know what? We're just going to put all this in a book. I'm going to give it all to you because I, I don't want to do all these one-off conversations. Just read the book. Here's all the information. And honestly, Alex, all I did was went to the finance world and I pulled off the shelf all these really cool tools and things that finance uses to run a great business. It's just, you know, uh, dentistry is still to some degree a mom and pop shop business and there's consolidation happening and there's just lots and lots of opportunities to really tighten things up and run a great financially sound business. Right. But the stuff you're talking about is, you know, I mean, it's, it's focused on the dental industry, but it's, you know, it's applicable for, for any business, as you said, to run a sound, you know, tight business. That's right. But, you know, for example, I talk about, and, and, you know, those who buy the book get access to a download of what a 90 day cash flow forecast looks like and some instructions on how to use it. And, you know, those sorts of things, a five-year model, like I, I can jump in, in and out of these uh, tools that are commonplace outside of the dental industry, but inside the dental industry, there just it hasn't been enough professionalization and sophistication. And so I felt like I, I really wanted to inject that to help these these uh, dental businesses grow. Right. So cool. So as you, you said, if you get the book and you get this, this cash flow models and these five-year models, I mean, those are things that everyone talks about, but you know, it's, it's nice to be able to like actually roll up your sleeves and, and screw around with one of them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Super cool. So Ken, um, like I said, you've had this amazing career. We always end these conversations with um, advice and, you know, advice for someone early in their career, trying to figure out their place in the universe. Um, are there things that, that, you know, you can take from your journey that you could, you know, try to shed light on for others that are trying to carve out their spot in the world? Sure. I think the first one is, and I think this served me very well and still serves me very well is show up and just bring your A game every day and go the extra mile, do things that make you stick out in that startup company that, you know, right out of college that I was hired into. Again, I was given way too much responsibility, way too much management opportunity. It was because I always showed up early. I always left late and I was willing to do whatever it took 
and figure things out and, and ultimately make things happen. And so I would say if you take that attitude, that's more than going to business school, more than doing anything else in your life. When you show up that way every day, that creates opportunities for you to grow. And growth means learning and growth means new opportunities. Growth means responsibilities. If that's what you want, then you got to show up and, and that's how you got to play the game. In my, in my opinion, I don't know, Alex, do you feel the same way about that? Yeah. I mean, attitude and like, you know, willingness, you can't, you can't teach that. So that has to be uh, instilled in you and, you know, also smartness. But you, if you have someone who's smart and has a good attitude, they can show up and like, you know, uh, companies and organizations and startups, like that's people, that's what everyone is looking for. Someone like that. And be proactive, right? Find the things that nobody else is getting to and jump in and help. And it just makes a huge difference. Add value. Find ways to make your boss's life easier, your boss's 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 boss's. And anytime you can find a way to add some value is always helpful. And the same thing with interviews. Don't just come up to the interview and say, hey, can I have a job? Come to the interview prepared to like say, hey, I researched your business and I thought of X, Y, and Z things you could be potentially doing. Like, man, if someone came to me with that, you'd be like, wow, please, when can you start? Yeah. Even if they're wrong, right? At least you took the initiative and that's somebody who I can steer back and say, Hey, think about this and this a little bit differently and then come back to me again. And I'm like, that, those are the type of people that I want to work with all day long. Yep. I love it. Well, Ken, this was a pleasure speaking with you and people can buy the book on Amazon and all those places. That's correct. It's called DEO's Financial Secrets to Grow Dental Organizations. Love it. All right. Well, this was great speaking with you. Thanks so much for coming on and doing it, Ken. Thank you, Alex. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. If you like moving up, the best way you can support us is by telling your friends, helping us grow. Thanks.